You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. second winter is that what they call it we had a false spring already right and then second winter and then I bet we'll go into a false summer and then hit a third winter if anybody wants to take a bet on that sound about right come on isn't Jesus good this morning though look all of you made it to church mostly right you made it you I don't know about you but it's like this weird moment and I don't, I, has, anyone, has anyone confirmed that we're no longer doing daylight savings? Is that real? Is that a fact? It's like Donnie would know. Is that true? Need to lie to me. It did not pass. Oh, seriously? Oh, wow. See, some, there's, mixed, there's mixed views in here right now. Let's just all, let's just all focus on this for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> just a good way to cause division, right, for a preach a message. But anyways, Awesome. So glad you guys are here. Um, really quickly about baby dedication. Uh, I think some people have been wondering what is baby dedication. Um, and, and like a, a lot of Catholics, they will baptize the babies. That is not what we're doing. Just to make that very clear, um, we don't believe in infant baptism. Uh, a baby dedication is simply the parents standing before the congregation and saying, God, you gave us this child. We give this child back to you. We dedicate this child to the Lord. And we're going to, in front of the congregation, uh, ask them to pray for us to help raise this child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, so it's just a way of us partnering with these parents to say, hey, we're with you. We're behind you. And two, saying, hey, this baby you gave me, God, belongs to you. Amen? Amen, amen. It's pretty awesome. So... Uh, also, some people have asked, like, well, can I dedicate my kids even if they're older now? Like, that's something I've never done. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'd love for that. It doesn't have to just be a baby. Maybe that's something you've never done with your kids. We'd, you sign up as well. We'd love to, to help you with that. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Oh, it's going to be such a good day. It already has been such a good day. Hmm. I like this Holy Ghost piano I got playing behind me right now. Glory to God. It is pretty good. I kind of like it. Um, but you can turn it off. <laughs> Praise God. Awesome. So, uh, welcome to the Father's house. Hey, raise your hand if you would be bold enough to say, hey, this is my first time at this church. Raise your hand real high, real, real high. Two back here, two over here. Come on, give it up for them. We welcome you guys. We're so happy to have you guys with us. The Father's House, we are a healthy home for the city. What does that mean? That means we want to see people grow up into the Lord. Amen? We don't want you to stay the same. We want to see you grow up and mature, to be mature sons and daughters of God. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. So um, if you haven't signed up for the journey, I don't know if he said that, but sign up for the journey. That's your next steps uh, for getting involved and serving in our church. Sign up for the journey. Our next one is in May. Thank you very much. Uh, so you can sign up today. We'd love to have you join the church or get involved with us. Amen? Amen. Um, so um, let's see. I'm going to try my best to just give you guys... What mainly, what, just what the Lord wants me to give this morning. Amen? Amen. Somebody say amen. So let, let's pray. I need help. We all need help, right? Holy Spirit, we love you. Lord, I just pray. Uh, and Lord, I'm just, I trust you. <laughs> Lord, I trust you that, that you are here, that you're being glorified, and I trust God that you'll use me this morning. I trust God that your word will go forth and not return void. Lord, I pray that you give your people ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. Father, we just bless this service, bless your word, bless your house, bless this city in Jesus' mighty name. And we just say no other spirit but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place and is welcome in this pulpit 
in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen, amen. So, um, one of the, this just really came to me just for, you know, one of the main spirits that tries to get on the microphone is this orphan spirit. I was quiet in here. But it's that, that insecure, I got to make myself important spirit without realizing that, hey, I am important because of what Jesus has done for me. Not because of anything I do or how I perform in any way, shape, or form. Um, so anyways, we just welcome the Holy Spirit to this platform and to everything we're doing. Um, it's going to be really good. So last week, if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, just really cast in vision for our house and what I believe the Lord is doing. If you haven't checked it out, go back and check it out. Amen. Hey, also, if you serve in the kids ministry or whatever, or you serve on Sunday mornings and you miss the service, go back and watch the services. You know, go back and listen to the services so you can stay on the same page because we're not, uh, we're not just preaching random things around here. We're not just coming up. I'm not Googling uh, Bible preaching year, calendar year, and just preaching whatever Google tells me to preach. We're hearing from God, following the Lord's voice, and asking, hey, what do you want us to preach on and teach on for our church? Amen? So if you're serving, and maybe you miss out or you miss out on Sunday, tune in. We don't want you to miss anything. Amen? So, um, last week I talked about being at Asbury, um, and I want to continue a little bit of something the Lord has been sharing with me for a couple weeks, um, and then we're going to get into a time of, uh, of what I'm going to call uh, tearing down altars. Amen? It's going to be good. And, and this past couple weeks, I was at, when I was at Asbury, and, and when I came back, and I shared a little bit last week, and I was like, man, God, what are you doing? And I felt the Lord continue to say this, this phrase, I want you to take me home. And I was like, okay. And in a sense, I was in, a, in the middle of a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And God was saying, yes, I love that you love the encounter, but now I want you to take this and take it home. Right? And I don't know if anybody's listened to Chris Valentin's message this past week about stewarding encounters about how they've seen people in the past, uh, moves of God, people who've been in trances, people who've been sincerely touched by the Lord who are no longer living for the Lord. And he talks about it's not so much about what can happen to you, it's, it's about what you do with what happens to you. Amen? So we want to be good stewards at the Father's house of what God is doing to us. And not just make it something that happened in an altar or at a meeting, but something that has actually changed the course of our life. Amen? I love a moment, but I want that moment to create a new trajectory for my life. Not just stay the same. Amen? Amen. So we were talking about taking him home, and I was at the gym uh, on the treadmill, and I was working out afterwards, and... Um, and I was listening. I said, God, what's going on? So I decided I'm going to listen to Dutch Sheets. And this was about a week and a half ago. How many of you know Dutch Sheets? Okay, three of you. Praise God. He's got a, uh, an app called Give Him 15. And they pray every morning. And I, 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 God was speaking to me about I want to be in homes. And even about uh, seven years ago, me and Maddie, when we were living on Bosley Road, um, we were praying. And there was a word, I believe, released from Patricia King. It was a message we found about how God is restoring the family altars. And it was like, whoa, what does that mean? And let me sum it up for you. God wants you to take him home. And it's something burned in our hearts like, yes, we believe the next move of God is actually not going to be just about moves in congregations. It's going to be about him actually moving from there to your home. That's where he's wanting to move. He's wanting to move from the encounter to the place of consecration, the place where you consecrate your life you get garbage out of your life and you give your life to him and I was looking up Dutch sheets and I got on there and it, the, the the one for that day it said reigniting the family altars and I was like oh and you know what I love about those moments because I really know that I know that I know that God's speaking because <laughs> it just all adds up these are some of my favorite moments <laughs> does God speak like this all the time to me unfortunately no but it is really amazing when it's just, and then it gets better. Me and Maddie go to Dallas, and these two sweet 
this married couple is praying over us. They don't know us at all. And they're praying and they're prophesying. They start prophesying at first. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. But a lot of times, you know, we can just, we can try to muster up a prophetic word and it's just very soulish, you know. Let's just be real, right? But it was, there was nothing wrong with it. They didn't say anything crazy. Um, but he kept going and it kept going. Let me encourage people who are trying to prophesy. You don't have to keep going. Just say what God said, and that's it. You don't have to figure it out or add to it. Just say it. And then it goes on. They're praying for us, and then I'm kind of like, it was pretty good. He was talking about innovation. He was talking about stuff, and I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. Thank you. And then he goes on. He says, man, and on the plane ride, me and Maddie, I'm like, Maddie, I found this book. I was talking about Dutch Sheets, Reigniting the Family Altars. I want to buy this book. And I was just talking about this on the way there. I can't wait to buy this book. I want to start reading this. And then this guy's praying for me. And he says, man, I just see you in your, your living room. And I just see like a, an altar to the Lord. And I was like, that's the word of the Lord. And I, I stopped him and was like, hey, I just want you to know that that's the word of the Lord. Because how many of you know we need good accountability in the prophetic? And if you keep just babbling on stuff that doesn't even actually pertain to me, we should have enough uh, poise afterwards to go to them and say, hey, you know what, none of that really, you know, I had somebody send me a word the other day that meant absolutely zero to me. Zero. I think this and this and this and this. I said, okay, great. You know, it doesn't mean anything to me, right? But it was like, man, that's the word of the Lord. And I wanted to encourage him. Like, hey, in that moment, you really were hearing God really well. And it was cool that God was like, hey, yeah, Mike, I'm doing this family altar thing. I'm doing this home thing. I'm doing this, I want to ignite something in your heart at a gathering that you take to your home. And not just to your home, but to your workplace. And to the school or whatever it is for young people, whatever it may be. But this would become a place where you get ignited by God and you go ignite the world around you. Amen? Amen. So I was like, man, God is really speaking. So I started to look into and start to just do what I normally do. I'm like, all right, Lord, you're talking about this. And I started to think of what Bible stories and what does God say about altars? And I started to really search out what it meant, what was an altar in the Old Testament. And I started to do a lot of study and I started to look at a lot of things because we're all talking about this language of like, oh, we want revival, revival's coming. And I start to study revival and what revival usually preceded a move of God was people uh, turning to the Lord and, and removing idols from their lives. Before you could actually uh, build an altar to the Lord, I believe the Lord is saying to us today, before we can truly build an altar of sacrifice and worship to him in our hearts, we first have to Tear down some altars that are getting in the way of building and truly worshiping him. We're saying, wow. And I, and I started thinking of the Bible. And I started thinking of stories. And the Lord uh, just really highlighted to me the story of King Josiah. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. This is in 2 Kings 22 and 23. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it because it's like two and a half chapters. It's also in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, if you just want to go there and see a whole bunch of names that you can't pronounce. I started thinking, man, okay, Lord, we're going to build this place of worship in our homes. We're going to build a holy place to you with our lives. We're going to lay our lives on this. And he's like, well, first, you've got to break down some things. And I believe that's what God is saying to all of us in this room. What are the things, what are the idols that you actually need to remove so you can truly give yourself fully to Jesus. Amen? Amen. I was talking to Chris Donald, the evangelist we took up the offering for. Hey, once again, Chris, just wanted to thank you guys for your generosity. Um, for Pakistan, they leave tomorrow. They'll, they, they'll be there for a week. He asked me to have our church pray all week long. So continue to pray for him and the safety of their trip as well. But he said something really powerful to me. God's been speaking to me about talking about consecration, holiness. What is consecration? That means just basically getting rid of any baggage and junk in your life that shouldn't be there. And I'm talking to Chris Donald, and he says, Mike, God's been taking me on this journey of just pursuing holiness. Another young person was in my living room the other day. God's just been talking to me about living holy. <laughs> 
And I'm like, man, God's doing something. And Chris Donald said something that really shook me. He said, when the, a move of God breaks out, he said, I don't want to be one of the people who respond to the altar call of repentance. I want to be the one who stands up and preaches the gospel of repentance. Let me, let me rephrase that for you. Basically, I want to get all the nonsense out of my life now. I don't have to run and repent when the move of God comes, and I'm not the one repenting, say, oh, God, I need to give up this. I need to give up that. I still need to give up this. He's saying, no, I just want to cleanse my life now. I want to just go ahead and live this life completely abandoned to the Lord. I don't want to wait for something to happen, and then i got to run to the altar, per se, and get rid of it then. Why not now? What is stopping us? from tearing down altars today. Nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. So King Josiah in 2 Kings 22, this is such a cool story. So I'm gonna read a little bit of this and I'm gonna jump around. So the book of the law, here we go. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And that's kind of crazy by itself. An eight-year-old, I don't know if you have some eight-year-olds literally becoming king. Imagine an eight-year-old becoming the president. I almost made an inappropriate joke. I'm going to move on. <laughs> I'm moving on, Lord. Help me. All right, so Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adoniah, and she was of Bozkath. I'm just going to stop trying to pronounce these names. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Stop for a second. His father actually wasn't David. His father was Ahab, and his, his grandfather was Manasseh, and they were very wicked kings. We'll get back to that later. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, uh, the son of so-and-so, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to the high priest, and he got him ready to give the money to be brought into the temple of the Lord. I'm going to skip down some things. Basically, when they go into the temple, the high priest finds, basically, the book of the law. So at this time, uh, in, in, in Judea, they were... They were completely abandoned God. For 60 years, they, were, they haven't even read, the, basically, the Bible. They hadn't even fought. They were building altars to foreign gods. It started with Josiah's grandfather. They were building altars. They actually, Josiah's grandfather would actually be known for sacrificing his children on these altars in these high places. They even turned Bethel, the place where God would meet with God, they turned that to a place of... <laughs> Pagan worship. And so Josiah, and it's because, you'll see this, that he goes into the temple and they find the book of the law like hidden in a corner, if you will. And then they bring it to Josiah. All right? Just catching you up here. He has given me this book, he says. And it says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Because he was basically distressed. He realized, man, we are not doing what God is asking us to do. We are actually doing the complete opposite. And in his heart, he has this godly sorrow, this, con this conviction of like, man, I got to do something about this. Praise God for leaders like King Josiah. Amen? Praise God for, for men and women of God who will stand up for righteousness sake and holiness and turn people away from evil doings. So he keeps going on and saying, okay, we found the book of the law. And then he tells them, hey, go inquire the Lord for me. Go talk to God. And then Josiah has this moment in chapter 23 where he calls together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people, and he basically renews the covenant with God. And says, basically, God, we're, we're sorry. We're going we're gonna to do everything we can. We're going to follow your ways. And again, he gives a charge for the people, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and your strength. He says, we got to turn this around and he keeps on going and he he makes his covenant with God and then what does he do next he calls all of the priests verse 4 the king ordered Hakiah the high priest the priest next in rank the doorkeepers to remove somebody say remove come on say it like you mean it say remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry host he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests. 
it got kind of crazy. He killed them. He burned down all their, he literally took the, the stone um, altars. He crushed them to powder, threw them over the graves of the people who were worshiping. They got pretty serious. It got pretty serious. And he keeps going. He starts, he tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord. Could you imagine? The male shrine prostitutes in the temple. This was becoming normal to them. How? How did they come so far? How? And what does Josiah do? Renews the covenant. Starts tearing stuff down. I love it. It goes on for like two chapters of just talking about every place Josiah went to tear down all the altars. He's like, oh, there's altars out there. Oh, there's altars over here. Oh, there's altars. We're going to go every single place. And every place is an altar to foreign gods. We're going to crush it down. So, so good. That's good leadership. Amen. So he brought all the, the towns of Judah and desecrated the high places from Gibeah to Beersheba where the priest had burnt incense. He broke down the gateway at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the city governor, which was on the left of the city. Although the priests of the high places did not serve at the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, they ate unleavened bread with their fellow priests. And he, he goes on. He says he tours this down. He pulls down the altar of kings of Judah on the roof of upper near Ahaz. He goes on to the hills of corruption and he tears down the altars there. Even the altar at Bethel, the high place made by Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had caused Israel to sin, even that altar and high place, he demolished. This is good news. And so he just tears all this stuff down. We're going to keep going. I love verse 24. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spiritists in the households of God. Let me say this. Mediums and spiritists and fortune tellers and palm reading and all that is witchcraft. People say, I, can, I be, can I be, I mean, isn't being born again the same thing as being spiritual? No. People say, I, I'm, I'm more spiritual, I'm not religious. And I say, well, what spirits are you talking about? Had a guy at a restaurant here in town tell me, this is one of my servers, right? He opens up and said, I've been watching this thing on YouTube. And he, he's sitting there outside smoking a cigarette. And he says, I felt this, this spirit or something come into my room and said, I'm here now and I'm taking over. And I'm in charge. That's what he said. I'm here now and I'm in charge. See, the devil doesn't play fair. The Holy Spirit will yield to him, but the enemy will come in and try to possess and take charge. And I remember sitting out in front of this restaurant here in town, and I just immediately told him, I said, that's actually not a good spirit. That's a demon. But what's happening is people are experimenting, even especially young people or, or young Christians are saying, oh, this is okay. And, oh, Ouija boards, this is fun, and all of this nonsense. And I might be going off on a little tangent here, but I'm here to tell you right now, you need to burn those things to the ground. You need to, I'm telling you, there's something that happens when you see people around the world. You talk, just go talk to some evangelists. Go talk to some of the people that we talk to when they go to places and people will come and bring all their little witchcraft trinkets to the altars and they will crush them and burn them. And there's so many stories about them continuing to get sick in their house, their kids getting sick, people dying because they keep some of this stuff around. Somebody say, tear it down. My goodness. So, a few things the Lord is really highlighting to me. Number one, when King Josiah was just a young man, he began to literally reform the nation. How many of you were under 25 years old? Raise your hand. Praise God. You can be seven, two years old is under 25, whatever. Come on, somebody. But as a young man, I think this has something to say with like, it just goes to show that a young person, I, I, let me just say this, I, I, I am concerned with the lack of holiness and consecration I'm seeing amongst young people. I'm concerned that maybe, you know, we've got to this place of like, I don't, have to, uh, do I have to stop doing these things? Do I have to stop doing these things? Do I have to, can, do I really have to stop cussing? Do I really have to stop watching these shows? Do I really have to stop listening to this music? And I'm here to tell you right now, when I got born again, I wasn't trying to figure out what I could keep. When I found him, 
when I found his love. I'm not, I didn't find his judgment, believe it or not. I found his grace. And when I found his grace and I saw the cross, I wasn't thinking, well, can I keep some stuff? <laughs> no, I was completely saying, God, whatever you want. <laughs> and I believe God is raising up some young people to take charge and say, I'm going to come out from the crowd and I'm going to consecrate my life. I'm going to start tearing down some altars and I'm going to give myself completely to the Lord. And you can see when God will get a hold of a young person like that, it can shift the nation. People expect, for lack of a better word, the boomers to act that way. They don't expect the Gen Z to come out and say, no, I'm going to live holy. Why? Because you're religious? No, 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 no. Because i got to look in his eyes. And I've seen the way he loves me. And this is what draws me. It compels me. I love him. Why? Because he first loved me. I'm not motivated by fear and legalism. We're going to get into that next week. I'm motivated by his love. I got a revelation of his grace and his mercy. And when I got a revelation of his grace and his mercy, I, didn't be, I wasn't there trying to say, well, can I still have this? What about this, Lord? Well, am I going to go to hell if I do that? I'm not saying you're going to go to hell. I'm saying, but isn't he worthy of everything? Isn't he worthy of everything? And I, I think we just sang a song that says, you're all I want, you're all I've ever needed. You know, I was thinking this past week, just to be transparent, like when I joined the Assemblies of God, you have to stop drinking or using tobacco in any way, shape, or form. Like it's not an option. And to be honest, I was like, I think that's kind of lame. Surprise. And I started thinking, like, honestly, like, I don't think drinking is a sin. I don't think the Bible says it's a sin. I think the Bible says that drunkenness is a sin. But the Simmons would say, hey, this is our standard, and if you're going to join, you have to do this. So I had this decision to make, because when I got saved, believe it or not, I drank occasionally. I drank, I had a glass of wine on Christmas time. I had a beer one time with my dinner. And, I'm not, and guess what? It didn't happen. I didn't become a drug addict again. And so I was sitting there thinking, well, maybe I I can do this. I can prove myself. And and listen, but ever since then, I started getting this conviction. And I'm not saying, I'm not pushing it on everybody. The religious spirit will say everyone needs to stop. That's not what I'm saying. It's not sin. I I won't make the Bible say something it doesn't say. I won't. But it does have a lot to say about it. And what I'm trying to get at this, stick to my point, I'm not trying to see what I can hold on to. I'm trying to say, God, what do you want me to give up? And so I was talking with Maddie. We actually went to Dallas, and guess what was in that room in Dallas at the Airbnb? A bottle of champagne. So me and Maddie popped the top and drank all of it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just trying to see if y'all are paying attention. This is why you need to take notes. And I started start thinking, and I, all these thoughts going through my head. You know, I haven't drank in almost seven and a half years, not because I believe it's sin. It's because I've kept my word. If I said I'm not, I'm not going to do it, period, right? But here I was, kind of like, well, no one's here. <laughs> Is it really? I started going through all these things of pros and cons, but I couldn't shake. I told Maddie this the other day. I said, I just can't shake. There's something in me that's always saying, it's not for you. And I said, well, Lord, what is that? He says, it's your testimony. He said, Michael, it makes your testimony a lot more powerful that you're abstinent. I said, well, God, if I can sacrifice something to bring you glory or to help my testimony, I'm all in. Instead of just enjoying my freedoms in Christ. I know it's quiet in here. But I was just like, Lord, I want what you want from me. And I believe there's some young people that God wants to raise up to say, you know what? I'm not going to fit in with the crowd. I'm going to be like King Josiah. And I'm going to start to stand. I'm going to consecrate my life to the Lord. I'm going to build an altar to him, and I'm going to give all of myself to him. Amen? Even though I'm young, 
So um, notice too that King Josiah's dad and his granddad were the problem. Did you notice that, let me say it like this, that means, that means you're in this room right now and you didn't even have a good example whatsoever of how to live for Jesus? It doesn't matter. You can still live for Jesus. You say, well, my dad taught me this, my granddad, it doesn't matter. You have a new father now and he'll teach you new things and he'll teach you new ways. And you see this happen. It's like, man, it doesn't matter so much your upbringing. It doesn't matter if you come from a house of atheists. It doesn't matter if you come from a house of pagan gods, worshipers, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can make a choice and say, I'm going to seek the Lord, and I'm going to do what he wants. And when I make a covenant with him, for a lot of you, like you're getting, you've gotten saved recently, and that's what's happening. You've made a covenant with God, and then you're realizing, oh, crap, there's some idols around here. God's not asking you to go ahead and tear down all the idols before you get saved. He's saying once you get saved, now look and start tearing things down. Let me say that again. They renewed the covenant, and then they started tearing down idols. I love hearing about Dr. Michael Brown's testimony. He was a heroin-shooting drug addict. He got born again. He got released from heroin. But you know what he did like three days later? He smoked hash. And the religious thing would be like, well, he really didn't get saved then. No, he was just consecrated. He was, he, was, he was literally like, man, I gave up heroin. My needles are bad. He didn't even think hash was bad. You know what I mean? But then what happened? He started, the Holy Spirit started to work on him. The Holy Spirit started to speak to him and say, hey, you should probably give this up too. He started saying, hey, you still got some idols you need to tear down. And the church, we want everybody just to tear down their idols before they even come. It's like, no, just come, receive forgiveness, receive grace, and we'll help you start cleaning stuff up. <laughs> but there's going to be some stuff you got to clean up. I, I, I'm concerned that we get too far away from this. Well, God doesn't want us to do anything. No, 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 God, you can't earn your salvation. That's not what we're saying. Faith without works is dead. You know what that means? It means that the works is not the root of your faith. It's the fruit of your faith. Let me say it again. It's not the root. It's not what causes you to be born again is your works, but it is the fruit of what happens when you're born again. Faith works. And things begin to shift and change. I mean, I love, I encourage you to Google when you get home the commandments of Jesus in the New Testament. I'm not, people say, well, we're done away with the law. Go look up everything that God commands us to do in the New Testament. Put away these things, sexual immorality, slandering, gossip, malice. This is new covenant stuff. He's saying, hey, don't do these things, right? And so Josiah, he's young. He turns it back. He didn't have a good example. And this is what really blows my mind. The word that it uses in the Bible, it says they found the book of the law, which insinuates what? It was missing. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm like, man, honestly, that's like a lot of us. The Bible is somewhere in the house. Right? It's like, oh, man, there's the word. Well, we should probably get that out. We should probably start to look at that. And it blows my mind that if you can see, the, if you can see what's happening here, when they didn't have the word and instruction of God, they start to follow other gods. And we say, well, this is why you need to do a purple book. This is why you need to do the New Believers book. Why? Because we're religious and, and we just want you to read our book. No, because we want you to be successful with your relationship with Jesus. We want you to understand what God says and not just what we say or what uh, the church or the Father's house or First Baptist, what anybody says, what does he say? And you're not going to know if it's a book that's hidden in the house or something you've never opened you got to get in that thing and let it, if you're new in the faith, you got to get that book out and you let that book begin to confront some idols in your life. And then you say, okay. And then you gotta, then you got to deal with this question. You ready? Well, did I really surrender my life to the Lord or not? It seems like God is wanting me to make some changes in my life. The Bible's asking me to, that this is your decision. Am I going to do what God says or am I not going to do what God says? So they find this book of the law for 60-something years. They did not read the word of God. Man. 
I see too many believers these days with good opinions and not biblical doctrine. Well, I don't think that's the good or I don't think that's the way things work or I don't think this. It doesn't matter what you think with all due respect. It matters what God says. Amen. Amen. So, you know, this, this is, I'm just going to be real with you. This is what kept me from giving my life to Jesus for years because I knew what God wanted of me. But I was also deceived that I would be miserable if I gave him everything. <laughs> when I'm sitting down here with my six-year-old son, and he's jumping and praising with me, do you think for a second I'm missing out on something the world has? Heck no. That's the nice word. No, I'm not like, oh, man, I'm at church and reading. My son's worshiping with me, but, man, I wish I was back in my old life doing drugs and doing what I wanted. No. I was deceived for years thinking if I surrendered all to him, I would be bored. Literally. What am I gonna, I'm sorry, Mom, but I used to think, what am I going to do, hang out with my mom? <laughs> and that's, I mean, let's just be real. What am I going to do, hang out with my, my brother and his wife and watch movies and eat food? I mean, what do sober people even do? When I got back to town, what did I do? Hung out with my mom. And you know what's crazy? I enjoyed it. Sorry, mom. But God changed my heart. He didn't just come in and make me religious and give me a new set of rules. Say, all right, Mike, now you're, it's your time to follow the rules. He said, no, look in my eyes and you'll want to do what I ask. And then you'll start to realize when you do what I ask, you're blessed, you're protected, you have joy, you have peace. And then I'm like, whoa, I actually have joy and peace when I obey you and I come under your authority. Your authority is good. Submitting to you is a good thing. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. I was actually created for this. You were created to be completely submitted to the will of God. There's no safer place. There's no more peaceful place. There's no more joyful place than under the submission of God's will. If you want to continue to get outside of that and do what you want, you will continue to see destruction come over your life. Come on. My goodness. I'll move on. Praise God. I'm getting excited. I wrote this down last time. I said, worshiping idols will keep you from God's word or God's word will keep you from worshiping idols. You wonder why you can't seem to get rid of sin, you can't seem to get right with God. It's because you don't submit to God's word. If you would start to submit to God's word, you would see what would happen. You know what happened with King Josiah? When he saw in the Bible what they were doing was wrong, he immediately said, we got to tear stuff down. But you know what he also saw in the Bible? If they would obey God, there would be a blessing that they would receive. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it wasn't just like, oh, gosh, we're going to get in trouble. He's like, no, 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 no. When we do this, we're blessed. When we do this, we're protected. When we do this, God pours out. God, he pours out his protection and his provision for us and our, our children's children will be blessed. He's saying there's a reward and a blessing that comes from obedience. Not just you don't get to go to hell. We've made it all about where you're gonna go to heaven or hell. But you better stop that. You better give it up because you're gonna go to hell instead of talking about the blessing and provision we'll receive in obedience. And then you get a bunch of people just coming to the altars all out of guilt and shame and living with Jesus the rest of their life just out of guilt and shame. Instead of realizing that he's a good father and he's the father in the story of the prodigal son that comes running to the son. He's not pointing and saying, you better not come to my house. You're unworthy. You've ruined everything. No, he runs, meets him, ringing a robe. This is the gospel. And then the son has that revelation. If I get back in my father's house, I'll be protected. I'll be provided for. And that's the reality of what God is calling us into. He's not calling you to give up things that are good for you. He's calling you to give up things that will actually harm you. And don't hear what I'm not saying. Some of you are saying, is he saying we got to stop drinking? I know this church talks about drinking a lot. No, I'm just telling you what I do. None of our staff drink. We're not going to make something in the Bible that's not there, though. We don't want to build camaraderie. We tell people, if you're on the dream team, we don't want you to drink with other people in the dream team. You know why? We got people in active recovery in our church right now. 
You can have your freedoms. That's completely between you and the Lord. That's just not the culture we want to bring. And if that's the culture you want from a church to hang out with people at church and get drunk, this won't be the church for you. If you want to get together with your church friends and drink, this ain't it. I could point you to some in town. Lord, help me. Hallelujah. My goodness. But if that's a deal breaker, then let it break the deal. That's quiet in here. That's just not what we're trying to build. None of our staff are going to get together and drink alcohol together. You know what we are going to do? We're going to get together and drink in the Holy Ghost together. Ephesians says, be not filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. My kids are going to know what it's like to be drunk and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to be religious to my kids either. I'm not going to teach my kids that drinking is a sin. I'm just going to do what God tells me to do. Amen? Amen. Some of y'all, that's all you're going to hear this whole sermon. Let me move on. God's asking you to give up something. Give it up. He's got something better. Amen. It might be a girlfriend. It might be your phone. It might be the way you think. Actually, I know it's probably all those things. Give it up. I love how Josiah's commandment that he gave his people wasn't go and tear down the altars. The command he gave was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. He was saying, hey, this is how we're going to fix everything. Love the Lord. This is how you fix everything. We just say, God, I I love you, and I'm going to grow in loving you. You know how you grow in loving God? You receive his love for you. It is that simple. So Josiah started to tear down altars, and I really feel like asking this question this morning, like what are the things that we worship that are not the Lord? Maybe you worship the spotlight. Maybe you worship getting on the platform. Maybe you worship, I don't know, maybe you worship money. That's a big one. You know how you know if you worship money? You don't want to give it. It's that simple. What do you worship? Do you worship the way that you think church services should look like? Do you worship certain songs? You know how you know if you worship certain songs? That other songs about the Lord make you angry. It's one thing to have a preference. It's another thing to turn your heart off. You know what I mean? What are some things we worship? Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's a girlfriend. Maybe it's a job. I don't know. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's your clothes. Whatever it is. I believe God's asking you to tear it down. So you want to see revival Church, let's, let's make our homes. People say, well, Pastor, this, is, this building is a holy place. No, you are a holy place. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Let us start to live our lives as if we are actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not thinking, well, what can I get away with and still go to heaven? That type of thinking will never bring the power of God and revival to your life, ever. Never. And we know that because in 2 Timothy 2, 21, I believe, it says, purify yourself. Why? So you could be a vessel of honor, useful to the master. And this might sound kind of rough, but what it's saying is you can be completely loved by God on your way to heaven, but completely useless to advance the kingdom. Why? Because we just want to keep holding on to our nonsense and stay immature and stay attached to things that we don't really need and think about what we can keep and what shows can we watch and what music can we listen to and saying, hey, God, I want to be completely abandoned for you. Would you use me? I want to be a place where your Holy Spirit rests on me. That's what I want. <laughs> People ask me, hey, do you watch those shows? Or, hey, have you been watching this? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Not because I'm being religious. I just want to get separated. <laughs> I want to get as close as I can to his presence. And then I actually realize it's amazing. <laughs> I'm not missing anything. 
It's normal for me. We've taken our kids in movies and walked out of the movie. We did that recently to that movie, Strange World. Trying to infect kids with nonsense. We got up and we left. Certain things are on in my house, TV shows, I turn them off. My, ask Carter. You know, for years, my, my mom raised me that way. You know, for years, I used to think, man, my mom is just this big killjoy. She's just a big party pooper, basically. <laughs> she just doesn't want me to have any fun with my life. God doesn't want me to have anything I enjoy. And she would take my, my Nelly CD, CDs. Come on, somebody. Country grammar. Somebody showing your agent here. Any 30-year-olds, 35, 40? Um, I, somebody shouted back there. I don't know if that's a good idea. 42, the country grammar. I was going to sing a part of it. It's not good. We'll move on because all of y'all know that song probably pretty well. But my mom would raise me. She'd find my CDs, and I'd be in my, in my, in my, in my living room or in my bedroom. In my living room. I was 12, 13. And I had the, I don't know about you, but I had that old school, like, it was a big deal when I was in middle school to have, like, your own big CD player. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't have flat. some of you kids. You, these kids these days, they bring their TVs to their friend's house. <laughs> like, seven kids have a sleepover, and they all brought a TV and a PS. There's, like, $7,000 worth of stuff at these, these sleepovers. You know, back in our day, like, that was it. I, you, I wasn't about to take my, my CD player anywhere. But I'd be listening to Ja Rule. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and Nelly and Saint Lunatics. I don't know, some of y'all people are like, oh, I didn't listen to that stuff. Y'all listen, some of y'all in the 70s, 80s, y'all listen to some wild nonsense, okay? Some absolutely witchcraft music, too. Don't get it wrong, some of y'all's little classic rock is just as screwed up and nasty as everything else. So don't act like this is new. It's been going on in the 60s and the 70s and everywhere else. But my mom would grab my CD. She'd take the CD, and I'd be listening to country grammar, and it was nasty and vulgar. And she'd take it, and she'd get it rid of it. She'd throw it away. And she would say, not in my house. Whoa. And I'm not going to lie to you. Back then, you know, my dad wasn't around. I was a pretty wild kid. My mom worked all the time because she had to provide for us. We were home a lot. I mean, I didn't listen to my mom. Sorry, mom. I love you. You know it. But I would get so angry. Like, why? And then when I got into high school, I, I, my mom would find alcohol under my bed. <laughs> All right, Mom, I don't need any help this morning preaching this message. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um. <laughs> It's 12-12. Come on, somebody. We got not very much time here. I feel like this service just went a whole other direction. We're trying to have a holy moment. But you know what's so good? This is how the Father really is. He can be serious, and he can say, hey, we're going to get real about things, but also we're going to have joy, and we're going to laugh, and we're going to have affection. Amen? And that's what we need. Amen? That's what, you're, that's what we all need. And so... My mom would have me break the CDs, and then she'd find my alcohol, and then in, in, in high school, I'd say, Mom, she'd pour out my alcohol, and I'd be like, Mom, my friend's parents let me, they let them do this. And she would say, well, not your mom. And I'd say, well, that's stupid, and alcohol, blah, 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 blah. You're terrible, you know, you don't, blah, blah, blah. And here I am years later. No, we're not listening to that. Because <laughs> mm, I figured out something. I figured out, and I was 24 years old, that God didn't have these parameters set up because he didn't want me to have fun. He had parameters set up because he wanted to keep me safe. And he wanted to keep me from shame. And he wanted to keep me from guilt. He wanted to keep me from hell. He actually wanted to, he wanted to keep me from some stuff that actually I would go out and try it. And then I would receive shame. And I'd receive hate. Let me tell you how dirty the devil is. The devil will tell you, go out and have sex. Do what you want. And then he'll turn around and say, you're disgusting. Yes, yes, yes. 
And the whole time God's trying to say, I was trying to tell you, but here's the problem. Most of us, that Bible is hidden in the back room. We don't even talk about the word of God. We don't even know what it says as parents. So we have nothing to even give our children. If we don't know the Bible, we can't teach the Bible. And then don't be surprised when your kids don't have a biblical worldview. Because you just brought them to church and expected that two-hour Sunday morning service to give them everything they needed. No, they're watching you. They're watching us. And I feel like the Lord was saying last night, we need to get back to a place in Joshua where we would stand in our homes, whether you're single, married, grandparent, whatever it is, and say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna draw a line in the sand and we're gonna get nonsense out of our house. Here's, well, other people might notice and say things about us. Good. But see what they, let's make sure what they're saying about us is that we're not being religious and pointing a finger. We're just, we're just literally modeling something better. That you're not at your house miserable. Oh man, I can't watch Game of Thrones anymore. As pastor said I can. <laughs> what am I gonna do now? Watch The Chosen? You know, I can't listen to Drake no more. <sighs> maybe you need to, I'm just going to be real. Maybe you need to reconsider whether or not you fully surrendered your life to Jesus or not. Because if you fully surrendered your life to Jesus, you're not going to be worried about what you can keep. You're saying, no, I'm all in. <laughs> you know why, we, you know why we, we see or don't see drastic change in people? And Bill Johnson said something like this. It's because of the level of surrender in the person. When you have a minor little a bit of surrender, you're not going to see the drastic change. The reason why my life has drastically changed so much, because when I, on that jail cell, said I'm all yours, I meant it. And, and in that moment, I said, whatever needs to go is gone. It's gone. Every friend, every girlfriend, no matter what it is, I'm done. I would get, I, I left that jail, guys. I went to Walmart to buy a sweater because it got cold from the time I went to jail and the time I got out. And I found myself trying on sweaters. I found myself getting convicted of even putting the sweaters back on the hangers and putting them back in the right places at Walmart. You know what I mean? And it wasn't because I was religious. It's because God was saying, hey, be a good steward. It wasn't saying, I wasn't there. Oh, man, I'm going to go to hell. I got to put the hanger on. Oh my gosh. No, it's just like, oh Lord, what are you saying? Oh, it's good. I'm gonna try that. Oh Lord, what are you telling me to do? Oh, I know it's good. I'm gonna do it. Oh Lord, I know you know what's best for me. Oh, I'm gonna do what you ask. Can we stand to our feet? Somebody say, tear it down. Glory, glory, glory. I don't know about you, but as a parent, some of you, you'll need to make sure you're monitoring what YouTube your kids are watching there's so many times we've gone past and we've seen things and we're like what in the world is that we got transgender all this nonsense coming on Peppa Pig my goodness how demonic to try to get a hold of children listen if you want to be the way you want to be be that way but stay away from the kids in Jesus name <laughs> You make your decisions, that's great. Somebody say, tear it down. Can we just play some music? I don't really need the whole team. Man, this whole time I've been preparing this message, I've been thinking, God, what do you want me to, what's in the way? I want more of you. Whatever it is, Lord, I, I want more of you. I trust you. Whatever it is, whatever thinking it is, whatever, I don't know, it's different for everybody in this room. Whatever is getting in the way of my relationship with you, God, I want to get it out of the way. I want to be like uh, the Hebrews when it says that I lay, put aside every sin, every weight that is weighing me down from running my race. I want to get rid of it. I want to get the Bible out of the corner of the house, and I want to know what it says. And not only that, I want to believe what it says. I want to do what it says, because I know that if I do what it says, there's a blessing and protection attached to what you say. 
I know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I know, God, that you're not trying to put some heavies. For too long, religion has said, here's this heavy burden of religion to wear. Here's this heavy burden of falling rules to wear. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you look at his eyes, you get a hold of what he's done. It's not heavy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Don't let shame come in and put you in a place of bondage. There is a place called godly sorrow that's healthy. I'm not talking about shame, but there is a place where I've maybe spanked my kids a little too hard. You know, as parents, come on now. There is a healthy place of godly sorrow where I actually feel bad about it, right? It's actually unhealthy if you don't feel bad about that. But I'm not talking about shame. I'm talking about getting some godly sorrow where you earnestly say, God, there's still some areas in my life I want you to work on. Forgive me, change me, and use me. We're not going to have a uh, prayer team for just a second. Everybody stay where you are. And play, turn that music up a little bit, please. I just want everybody to close their eyes in this room. Everybody. I believe the Lord's calling all of us just to say, hey, it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I just pray right now, the Lord would just begin to speak to everyone in this room and say, God, is there anything that I need to remove, things that are getting in the way of you? And just say this out loud. Say, Lord, help. <laughs> say, I trust you. Can we turn the music up, please? Hmm. Hmm. I just, that scripture keeps coming to mind, for my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So you're saying, man, God, I got a lot of weaknesses, whatever it may be. God's saying, hey, that's, that's cool. I got a lot of strength. Hmm. I got a lot of grace. I got a lot of mercy. Just grab the hand or the shoulder of someone beside you. And let's just, just begin to pray for the person right beside you. Say, God, help, help us. <laughs> let's make it about a family and not just individual. We're not, we're not in this alone. God, help us run this race with endurance. Help us trust you and trust your ways. Teach us your ways. prayer team, could you come? And maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to be born again. I need to get saved. Before you go, I want you to come to these altars. You can come now. Say, man, I need to get born again. I need to get saved. If you need to give your life to Jesus, repent of your sin and come home to the Father's house before you go, we'd love for one of our prayer team members to pray with you. And do me a favor, say, if you're beside somebody, look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, say, is that you? <laughs> and say, I'll go with you. You're not alone. So, Father, um, yeah, if there's anybody who needs healing in this room, if you need prayer for anything, you can go ahead and come down. You can get out of your seat and come down before you go. You're welcome to come spend time at the altars. Um, just continue this service. Can we just put our hands together for Jesus this morning one last time? Bless the Lord. So if you need anything for prayer, please come. Have an awesome week at the small groups. We love you guys so much. Be friendly on your way out. Altars are open to linger, to pray. Bless you guys.